Girl, I have to tell you something you're not going to like. Oh, God. I'm going to say Arius the whole time. That's what I've always thought it was. Yeah, it's Arius, right? I know. You're, you're going to have to correct me a lot, I think. You know what? I'm not going to care. <laughs> Can I do you one better? I'm not going to care. Arius, Arius. Whatever. What does it matter, honestly? <laughs> Jillian Pensavale. Patrick Hines. Both of our voices are like not at 100% no, today. No, we've been working a lot. Yeah. <laughs> We've been doing this a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. A lot, a lot. Uh, you guys, before we get to the show, this is one of those where we're doing it in two parts, mm-hmm. and part two is available right now and ad-free at the $5 level on Patreon. She's right there waiting for you. She's right there waiting for you. And also, girl, on the Patreon. Lady Pates. Lady Pates. You guys, at the $5 level, you literally get 90 full bonus episodes to binge right this second. At least, because you've been saying 90 for like a month. I know, or like six months. Something like that. <laughs> Whatever. At least 90. Yeah, it's our episode-by-episode coverage of serials, the staircase making a murderer. Do you say serials? Serials. Like- <laughs> It's also like the disappearance of Madeline McCann, uh-huh, Lorena, Lorena, Casey Anthony, Casey Anthony, OJ. OJ. So check it out. Go to patreoncom obsessed. Go to our website. Click on the Patreon link. Yeah, there's uh, depending on the tier, you get some ad-free episodes. You get an after party. You get ringtones. There's a lot going on. In there. I know. Somebody posted today on Facebook like ringtones. What year in 2019? Question mark. I was like, hey, where else are you gonna get you saying breaking news? Yeah, I'm also one of those people who always has my phone on silent. So I'm kind of with whoever said that. But hey, people. <laughs> wanted them, so there they are on Lady Pates. Girl, what are we talking about today? Jody Arias. Jody Arias. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my very best with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, episode one. Yes. And I knew I went into this knowing nothing about this case. Yeah, this is another one where I was sort of in my periphery, and then I knew one day we'd cover it, so I just didn't goog it. Yeah. And so it's yeah, bonkers. It's a it's it's a lot. <laughs> it is a whole hell of a lot of things. <laughs> have any questions I can answer for you. Yeah, do you know when all this happened? I mean, I got a call last night, but is there any word on... Um, sometime between Thursday and last night. We're not sure yet. We haven't pinpointed yet. I maybe you can't talk about this, but was there, um, was there, like, any kind of weapon here? Was there a gun? Was there... I can't say what type of weapon was used, but yeah, I, I, I'm guessing there was a weapon used by the type of injuries that were left behind. Um, do, do you know of him having any weapons at all in the house? Um, his two fists. It's one of the most outrageous tales in recent history. This case had all the elements. Passion, lust, betrayal. 30-year-old Travis Alexander is found murdered in his own home. This was someone that had the physical strength to overpower him. In this three-part special, we'll take you deep inside the investigation. Travis was the perfect young man, very devout religiously. A whirlwind romance. Within two months of meeting Travis Alexander, Jody Arias has decided to become a Mormon. Turned fatal attraction. We knew there was a vibe about her that we just didn't like. Go inside the interrogation room. That's you. All of you. That looks like me. All the evidence is pointing to Jody Arias. And we explore the details that made this the most sexually charged trial in history. Did you believe him to have an interest in young boys? Yes. Travis was sort of living this dual life. He's the abuser. He's the pervert. There's no reason for it. There's no reason I would ever want to hurt him. 
Look, I know you usually start us off, but can I just say one thing at the top? Yeah. Uh, Jane Velez Mitchell is is one of our like main narrators throughout this whole thing. I have I have that she's the lead. <laughs> she's screaming at the top of her lungs the entire. She's from she's beginning the to end. <laughs> from, from beginning <laughs> to end. And did you see her in the background of the actual footage in the courtroom? Yes, like in later episodes. Yeah, yeah. her hair is it's the height of the season because she's describing what it was like to be in the courtroom, yeah. and then they're slowly <laughs> zooming on someone in the background. I'm like, who is that? Oh my god, it's Jane, Jane Velez. <laughs> there she is. <laughs> All right. So look, we're learning a lot of new stuff. I knew nothing about this case. So it starts with, we're being told 28-year-old Mimi Hall is soups excited to be going to Cancun with a guy she knows. Yeah, it's June 9th, 2008. And she was supposed to go with Travis Alexander for a work retreat. Here's immediately, I'm like, wait a second. What work retreat is in Cancun? Well, we find out that it's an MLM. It's one of those Herbalife things. I know. Those are the ones that take you on the good vacations because it's the only payment you get. I've also never had like a real nine to five job in my life. Right. I've just been like a freelancer forever. So (laughs) I'm just like, they do that? Wait a second. I'm doing this all wrong. But here's the thing that really like piqued my interest about the Mimi Travis relationship. Uh huh. Mimi just wanted to be friends, apparently. Uh huh. Apparently, Travis thought she was the one and was like, come on this work retreat. And Mimi's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Look, who's in a position to turn down a free trip to Cancun? Not I, me. I mean, I guess not Mimi. No. <laughs> so the, here's the thing. Mimi is going on this big trip with this guy, and she hasn't heard from him in days. She hadn't heard from him for several days, so she began increasingly getting more and more worried. She reached out to friends and family. Nobody else had heard from Travis as well. Travis had a close circle of friends within the Mormon church community, within his business community. So for him to go dark on his phone for five days was very unusual and concerning to a lot of his friends and coworkers. Five days. So look, you're packing to go on a trip. The person who you're going with hasn't, I mean, you're supposed to leave tomorrow. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Five days later, you still haven't heard from the person. Right. <laughs> I feel like if, if it was something like a time sensitive thing, like a flight, uh-huh. I wouldn't have waited the five days. But Mimi, I guess, was going through it. I don't know. She just wanted to be friends. Mimi Hall says, I'm going to go over to Travis's house and find out what's going on. She knocks on the door. She rings. Nothing. No answer. So then she's even more perplexed. What is going on here? And also, like, he's we learn he's not the kind of guy that would just, like, fall off the face of the planet. They say that every time nobody is. Nobody's the type of person to disappear for five days. Right, like, that, true. like, like producers, get that out of your stupid scripts. It was very unlike them to just stop answering for 12 days. Like, no fucking shit. It was really unlike him to wander into the woods and live off the trees. Yeah, obviously. Right. Like, enough. And they were vibrant and lovely, like everybody was. Like, enough. You guys, Jillian is not in the mood tonight. When someone is missing and then murdered, it's bad enough. Like, you don't have to, like, add, like, it was very strange. Like, obviously it was strange. It's also strange to not check on the person the night of the flight. I know. And wait four extra days. That's stranger to me uh-huh. than the person. It's like, enough. Anyway. <laughs> I'd... Uh... So she, so Mimi is at the house and calls her friend and her friend's boyfriend to come over and like, I guess, try to kick the door down because nobody's answering. And it appears that nobody's home at Travis's house. And I guess this is a like, I guess I don't know what I would do until I'm in the situation kind of moment. But before I would break and enter into somebody's home, I'd probably call the cops first. Right. They decide to break and enter. <laughs> they like somehow get the garage door code. So they punch in the code. And together, the three of them go in through the garage They go in through the laundry room and they start noticing an odor. 
and they immediately smell quote an odor so it's also like you guys put the context clues together and figure out what's going on here right so then they go up the stairs to like where his bedroom is the door's locked I don't do you, like people with roommates. Is that I mean, I guess that's a thing if in the world of like you meet people online now and it's like, oh, just live with me for six months. Right. You know, maybe if you don't really if you're really just sharing true, yeah. a space, you would lock your door. But to me, I'm like what, locking your door in your own house. It's weird. It seems a little strange. So then then they go down the hall to like one of the roommates rooms and they knock on the door and this doofus like answers. Zach Billings. You guys that they uh, these strangers have been kicking down the door. The dog is barking. They broke in through the garage this guy didn't hear a word because according to this documentary he was watching a movie (laughs) and didn't hear the doorbell the dog the pounding on the door or the actual breaking and entering the actual crime that was happening and there's all these people like in the house being like travis yeah travis this guy doesn't hear it so he's like oh he definitely has a bowl of cereal in his hand (laughs) when he opened the door that is 100 percent true and a visor on backwards (laughs) zach fight me and Zach's like with his mouth full of like <laughs> honey bunches of oats or yeah like yeah. Captain Crunch or whatever totally. it's just like no dude he's in Cancun like what are you talking about and Mimi's like excuse me I know they're like no that's tomorrow morning and we're looking for him because Mimi's supposed to go to Cancun with him have you seen him in fact neither Zach nor his other roommate Enrique Cortez have seen Travis in almost a week Enrique is like, oh, weird, dude, because I haven't seen him in over a week. Uh And everyone's like, wait, what? Uh We panicked after five days over a week? How? Answer me this. I know that if I didn't talk to you for two days, I'd be at your house, like, kicking your door and trying to find you. Mm -hmm. How does this person have nobody in his life who really thinks that five days is way too long to not have heard from him? Let's not forget that, according to the documentary, Mimi and company (laughs) smelled something immediately. Zach Billings quickly finds a spare key to Travis's bedroom. So Zach's like, oh, guys, I actually have the key to Travis's bedroom. Why don't I let us all in? And they're like, yes, please. <laughs> Mimi's been crying for 48 hours, let her in the room. And Travis has the master bedroom with an ensuite bathroom. I know. <laughs> it's very fancy. fancy. We're going to find out that Travis has done very well in his career. Right. And unfortunately, they walk into the room. Jane Velez Mitchell says, he opens up the master bedroom door. And the second he opens it up, his heart sank. And he sees blood everywhere. And it's this gruesome and horrible murder scene. And Travis is dead in the shower and there's blood everywhere. It's a really gruesome, horrible scene. And there are so many photos of it. It's ridiculous. He's been dead in there for five days. At least. But the other roommate said over a week, whatever. Oh. I don't trust these roommates' timelines. But right. it's been uh, it's been enough. I trust Mimi's timeline, I guess, more than anybody. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. She had a trip to go on. That's right. <laughs> so we hear the 911 call. These kids, like Mimi and company, as you call them, yeah. call 911. What's going on? Um, our friend of ours is dead in his bedroom. We, we hadn't heard from him for a while. We think he's dead. His roommate just went in there and, and said there's lots of blood. I didn't go in, but I, I can give you the phone to someone who went in there. Can, yes, please, can you? Hello. He, he's dead. He's in his bedroom. How did this happen? Do you have any idea? No, we have no idea. Everyone's been wondering about him okay. for well, a few said, days. She said that there was blood. Is it coming from his head? Uh, it's all over the place. 
everyone is super calm on this 911 call. It's really, it's, I mean, I guess you're just numb and in shock and in total disbelief. But at first I thought it was a reenactment. Uh-huh. It's one of those things where it's like, well, I can't judge anything. Right, I've yeah, never yeah, yeah. been there. So it You would matter. be a perfect person to be with when people discovered a dead body. You would really? be. Really? Why? Because you'd be very calm. You'd know the address of the place, the cross street. You'd be really? great. You'd be perfect. Yeah. I hope I never know <laughs> I the know, answer to that. <laughs> it's a weird compliment to give, but I just take it. Okay. I'll, I'll accept it and just be totally happy with never knowing the truth. So then we meet this guy, Dave Hall, who's Travis's, like, it says friend and business partner. I'm just going to say this. We see real life Dave Hall. Then we see reenactment Dave Hall. And the casting director had never met real Dave Hall. Mm -hmm. Because we see this, like, sexy guy lying on a bed and his shirt is, like, pulled halfway up. It was a really weird shot. I totally missed all of this. (laughs) I had to rewind it. And I was like, oh, yeah. Whoa, this guy is hot. I I missed the entire... I, I, I for real have no idea what you're talking about. It just really stood out to me. Yeah. May the casting director who cast movie Dave Hall be the casting director who cast movie Patrick Hines? Sure. <laughs> So then we also meet Detective Esteban Flores, who's a clean-cut detective. He's a Mormon. We'll get back to that in a second. <laughs> no nonsense, this guy. And he's joined by the county deputy attorney, Juan Martinez, who we will most certainly get back to in a <laughs> Yeah, these, they're good guys. You know how like we often like make fun of the detectives and the cops? These guys are good. So you know how there was blood everywhere? We yeah. get more details about this. There's blood on the blinds. There's blood on the floor. There's a big pool of blood at, at the end of the hall. There's a bloody palm print on the wall, literally a palm print in blood on the wall. And they also found a 25 caliber casing and they couldn't tell if he'd been shot because his body was, you guys, starting to mummify because he'd been there for so long. I'm glad that you said that because Juan Martinez says the word mummified several times throughout. I noticed that his extremities, for example, his fingers, his toes, were starting to turn a dark color. So based on looking at that, he'd been there for some time so he had begun to mummify mummified i know is that different from like decomposition i don't know he says mummified and that that certainly conjures images of like the opposite of decomposition i thought you needed like chemicals to do that same am i a crazy person no and also the great thing about this being on the id network is that they're very careful to not show us any of the graphic photos yeah but you do see travis's like you see his arm like in the shower you see him slumped over in the shower i know it's pretty terrible it's really terrible so like the crime scene was a total mess with blood everywhere and handprints but it was also partially cleaned up they say because Travis was in the shower so they're like were they trying to rinse him off in some way and there are no signs of forced entry whoever did this was very comfortable looked like they really knew the layout of the land in this house in this case Travis Alexander had two roommates they had access to the house and had access to his room. So they turn to the roommates and that's done real quick because they all have alibis. <laughs> right. Yeah. They were all playing beer pong together at the bar down the street. Eating cereal out of Frisbees like <laughs> April Ludgate and Andy Dwyer. <laughs> Usually we'd be like those stupid roommates. Right. What idiots. They murdered him and locked him in his bedroom and then lied about it with their Cocoa Krispies or whatever. <laughs> But in this, I'm just like, it's so clear to me, like, the roommates didn't do it, but it is suspicious that they just had that smell in their apartment. And Jane Velez Mitchell is the one who's, like, screaming at the top of her lung, pulling her wig off, being like, There's a foul smell. How can you live in a house with a dead body for five days and not know something's, you know, a mess? How did you live in that house with that smell? Well, then the roommates literally say, 
Um, hi, we're a bunch of boys. Of course it smells. That could be anything. That could be dishes. That could be garbage that no one wants to take out. None of us have girlfriends. Nobody is telling us anything. Like, it always smells bad in here. Oh Excuse my- you, I know. James Velez Mitchell. But then they find a digital camera in the washing machine. Like, you guys, it's as abrupt in our episode as it is in theirs. Detective Flores is called to the laundry room. And what he finds there is so bizarre. Inside the washer mixed in with the towels is a digital camera that has been put through the wash. I don't understand. There's a memory card on this camera. Why didn't whoever did this, Jody Arias, Take the memory card. If Jodi Arias had taken the memory card, she'd be free right now. I mean, I don't think it's a big leap to think, well, if I just ruin the camera, then I'll ruin the the memory card. But I also, guess. if you're going to run it through the wash, then just take it with you for good measure. If you're going to kill a guy, just remember to take the memory card. I'll do you one better. Yeah. Don't kill anybody. <laughs> I knew we'd get there eventually. I mean, I knew we'd get there. it all comes back. <laughs> Don't we have one simple request, you guys. One request. Don't be garbage. Ever. Put us out of business. Wouldn't you love to not have a job? You know, yeah. <laughs> it's been a long week. <laughs> and it's only Wednesday. Whatever's in that camera, if it can be recovered, could tell us who might have killed Travis Alexander and why. So now we learn about Travis's childhood. Yeah, we learned that Travis had a really shitty childhood. And yeah. I was saying this earlier, like, just be nice to your kids. Yeah, well, his parents were addicts. And at 10 years old, he goes to live with his grandmother, who's a Mormon. Yeah, and I don't get religion, but it saves him. And so I'm grateful for it in this instance. And it's like, you know, he he really, like, dives into the Mormon religion. Like, he goes on a mission. He takes it really seriously. Mm-hmm. Well, he also works at PPL, which is prepaid legal services, which, you guys, Come gather on. around. Here we go. It's a multi-level marketing company and MLM. It's basically the herbal life of the Mormon community that Travis is living in. But what's so weird is that Travis is doing great in it. He's, He's a like superstar. A natural born salesman, Travis becomes a rising star at PPL. He wasn't just a really good salesman and recruiter, but he was also a motivational speaker. And his speeches were famous. And of course, they have the one video that's like, they label it like the last speech he ever gave. And of course, they have the moment where he's like, We don't know what day is our final day here on this earth. But what is certain is that tomorrow is one day closer. Also, I thought MLM, like, you needed a product, like a lotion or a smoothie. Right. Prepaid legal services. Right, what are they selling? Like, phone cards, but for <laughs> legal stuff? I just don't get what it is like, they're selling. You- like, what... <laughs> What is in all the boxes that are taking up space in all these poor Mormons' basements? You know what I mean? Like, what is, what's the thing? In 2004, Travis relocates to Mesa, Arizona, where he continues to thrive. Travis had this beautiful home, five bedrooms. He drove a BMW. He appeared to be very successful. But as Flores digs deeper, he discovers that Travis is harboring a secret. Everything was perfect on the outside, but Travis has a dark secret. You know what his dark secret was? He liked sex. I exactly. For now, we'll right. get to we'll get to the inner workings of it much later, but for now, the guy likes sex. I think he enjoyed the celebrity status of eligible bachelor, beautiful big home, successful career. So much so that it was probably very hard for him to get real serious about any one girl because 
so many girls really liked him. Like, he was just getting underpants thrown in his face everywhere he went. Right. I call them underpants. Sure. Well, you have a kid, so. Right. <laughs> so one of the girls who was just head over heels, <laughs> swooning over Travis, actually reached out to Detective Flores after the murder. Guess who it is? Jody Arias. Jody effing Arias, jo- actually. <laughs> so we hear the call. Hi. <laughs> Oh, are what's, we getting a Jody Arias impression? What's your name? <laughs> My name's Jody. <laughs> Hello, uh, can I speak to Jody, please? This Jody. Hey, Jody, it's Detective Steve Flores with the Mesa, Arizona Police Department. Oh, hey, how are you? Good. I, I just got a message uh, from one of my patrol officers that uh, you needed to talk to me about something. Well, I just wanted to offer any assistance that I might have. I was a really good friend of Travis's. And... What have you heard so far? I heard that he passed away, and I heard there was a lot of blood. I heard that um, his roommate found him, or his friend found him, or people were. I just, I'm sorry. So I'm, I'm just upset. All those sociopaths always want to insert themselves into the case. Look, they say it in Zodiac. Sometimes they like to help. Oh, my God. They like to help. Spoiler alert. Jody totally did this. Here's my question. What do you think her life was like for those five days between murdering him and, like, calling the cops? Like, do you think she called them because she just couldn't stand it another second? Like, when are they going to find me? Um, I think maybe that's part of it. I think that is part of it for some murderers. I mean, she's no Casey Anthony. I don't think she was partying it up, really. Uh-huh. I really don't know. I cannot imagine what it would be like to have murdered somebody and not have been caught for it yet. You're just like out there on the lam. Another thing that I'm like super happy to not know about myself, <laughs> that I'll never know about myself, like how would I act after a murder? I'll just never know that. And I'm okay with it. Uh-huh. I'll sleep better not knowing. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. So here's what we learn about their relationship. 27-year-old Jody gives Flores background on a relationship that began in 2007. They had dated for about six months. Mutually broke it off, but remained very good friends and in touch and just had a really genuinely good friendship. And that's all we know right now. Yeah, and she had been living in Mesa until April of 2008 when she moved to Northern California, and that was the last time she really talked to Travis. Right, so then we learn, as Detective Flores is like, oh, thanks, Like, I'll, I'll keep your name on record if we ever need you to help us. Thank you so much for calling. Yeah. So now Detective Flores is making the rounds and doing what detectives should be doing, talking to the friends, talking to family, like trying to get information that will help solve the case. I can't believe I have to say this. Detectives, do your job. Several people came by to offer their DNA and fingerprints to help with the investigation, including... Chris and Sky Hughes. When Detective Flores asked Chris and Sky Hughes if they had any idea who might have killed Travis Alexander, they say yes. Jody Arias. And they're like, oh, Jody? Yeah. You spoke to Jody? Right. Jody totally killed Travis. Let me tell you why. Here's my question. What? Thank you for the information. Why did it take the cop asking you to offer that information? Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like if it were me and I was like, some, somebody died and I knew who it was, I'd be at the cop's office the next morning, like six in the morning, like, hello, yeah. officer. So here's what we learn. Jody says that she broke up with him. Travis's friends say that he dumped her. And the friends never liked Jody. It was one of those roller coaster love-hate relationships. We knew there was some type of a vibe about her that we just didn't like. So here's like the Jody Arias story that we know for now. Yeah. In 2006, Jody's living with an older boyfriend in California. She had some money troubles. She heard about PPL, the MLM. 
Oh. I had to see it visually. PPL, the, the MLL, MLM. Uh-huh. whatever. So she hears about this like money-making scheme and wants to get involved. So she goes to one of the conventions that we learned about in the Herbalife thing yeah. in 2006. And Travis and Jody at this MLM convention get set up on a blind date. Because there's this whole fancy like banquet night where the, the guys, the people who are doing like so really ridiculous. well. I know. They get like taken out to this big banquet and somebody was like, hey, we just like found this young hottie and this guy Travis is single. Like, let's put them together for the night. Like two young hotties just trying to make a shit ton of money. Each found the other irresistible. Travis was looking at Jody with her perfect makeup and her perfect body. And he's thinking, wow, this blonde bombshell. My eye candy tonight. Jody obviously was just dipping her toes in and just getting to know the company. And here she was meeting this man who was a rising star. And the thing is, Jody, remember that older boyfriend? Yeah. He still exists. Right. So she hooks up with Travis while her boyfriend, who's like footing the bill, uh-huh. is home in California. Then she goes home, dumps him. She dumps him like the next day. And wants to marry Travis. She goes and becomes a Mormon because Travis is like, yes, girl, but like you're not a Mormon, so I can't marry you. She becomes a Mormon like overnight. Right. And Travis is like, oh, don't worry, I'll sponsor you. And she's like, really? Thanks. <laughs> So the thing is, they're in a long distance relationship now because she still, she wants to marry Travis, is obsessed with Travis, broke up with her boyfriend to be with Travis, uh-huh. but she still lives in California and he's in Arizona. Their relationship was long distance, so they would meet up in different cities. They would go on out of town trips together. And even though the Book of Mormon, the law of chastity says no sex before marriage, they were having sex. Jody didn't realize that she was reducing her chances of being marriage material in the eyes of a Mormon the more she threw herself at him sexually. So this is the thing! Where, like, in the Mormon religion, apparently, and I'm just speaking for what's in the documentary, women become unmarriable if they are having sex before they're married. And Jody doesn't, like, know this. She thinks she's using her sexuality to lure this guy into marrying her, mm-hmm. and all the while, he's like, she's super hot, I love the sexing with her, mm-hmm. but I can't marry her because she's letting me sex her before we're married. Right, and also, just, like, the Mormonism of it aside, sometimes when something is all physical, and then you have to, like, sit and have a conversation conversation with someone and you're like oh god there's nothing there is there it's just physical so it could be like a mormon thing or it could just be like there's really nothing here yeah people used to use me for my body all the time do you know what i mean no i know i was just constantly used for my body seriously so then they broke up. You know what Jody does, which is a little interesting? What? That's when she decides to move to Arizona after they break up. <laughs> he was pretty upset when she announced she was moving here to the Phoenix area. Despite his initial objections, Travis finds it difficult to cut the cord. Travis was telling people that he wanted her out of his life, but he was also having sex with her. Travis, like a like a douchey dude bro, is running around telling all of his friends, like, he's so mad that she moved here. I don't want to see her. I want her out of my life. We broke up. But then she's, like, sneaking over every night and he's having sex with her. Right. So they'd still be hooking up and he'd be like, no, I know. She's such a drag, right? And the right. phone would be like, zzz, zzz, right. zzz. Uh, it's my uh, mom. Your, your I quip? Go. Was that your quip? It was my quip. And they, they tell this part of the story as though, like, right. it was all her being super slutty and it was had nothing to do with the fact that he totally wanted to be doing this. Right, exactly. It's like Travis telling his friends like I couldn't help it what was a boy to do and also like guys can totally be assaulted by women I'm not saying that's not the case this just wasn't happening here right Jody knew how to lure Travis in with sex he wanted a clean moral life but that's very hard to do 
when you've got a girlfriend that's sneaking over in your house in the middle of the night, sneaking up into your bedroom and getting naked and crawling in your bed. So now, apparently, in 2008, a light bulb goes off and Jody's like, he doesn't actually want to be with me and he's cheating on me. And I think I'll move back to California to move in with my grandparents and have a new life. Okay, this came out of nowhere, but here we are. (laughs) Bye. Bye. So now we're back to the investigation and they're trying to find Jody's alibi. And they're also trying to find out exactly when he died because no one, his stupid roommates, didn't realize it for a week. They've been living with a dead body in the house for a week and had no idea. It's probably just the stinky garbage or the stinky laundry. Yeah, I mean, God, no, we're not cleaning. (laughs) Detective Flores is still trying to figure out where Jody Arias fits in because Travis's friends are pointing the finger at Jody, but Jody has told him, look, I haven't seen the guy since April, since I left Mesa and moved back to California. But he needs to find out where she was in those days just before and after the murder. Right. So apparently she was going to yet another PPL convention. Yeah. Like enough already. Uh, in Utah. And she was going to meet up with her new boyfriend. So according to Jody, she left Northern California on June 2nd to go to Southern California to visit friends. And then she gets to Salt Lake on June 5th, the day after Travis was killed. So she's going to meet her new like boyfriend, a guy named Ryan Burns, who the actor that they got to play this guy is so hot. I had to stop and stare at it for five seconds. Again, I totally missed it. <laughs> Also, Travis was murdered in Arizona. Yes. So we have California, Northern California, Southern California, Utah, and Arizona. Right. And she's saying I was never in Arizona. Like I, I went from I went from Southern California to Salt Lake City. So right. that's where I was. And this guy, Ryan, the guy that she went to see, he's like corroborating the story. He's like, she was here. She was super chatty. She was super happy. There was nothing wrong. But Ryan mentions one thing that grabs Flores' attention. Her hair was a different color than he last remembered. She had been this blonde bombshell, but now when she shows up, she's now a brunette. In addition to her altered appearance, something else strikes Flores as unusual. She also had cuts on her fingers she said she got from bartending. She had cuts all over her hands. And she claims she got them from bartending. Right. (laughs) Listen, we've both been there. You can definitely get your battle scars. Absolutely you can, but not enough that someone's like, dude, what happened to your hand? (laughs) (laughs) Unless it was like a glass shattered or some idiot like broke a glass in the ice and didn't clean it. But again, enough cuts on your hands from bartending. Jody, please. I know. (laughs) So they're like, so Detective Esteban is like zeroing in on her and he makes the drive all the way to... To Jody's house because he's come into some information. Right. And he brings Nathan Mendes with him, another detective. Oh, hey, Nathan. Hey. Hey, girl. Hey. So she talks to these guys about her road trip from California to Utah. Which route did you take from, from there? I was supposed to get on the 15 and go all the way up. And I somehow got off the 15. Where did you end up? Um, for a while, I was lost. And I'm not above sleeping in the car, so I slept for a while. I'm a heavy sleeper and I sleep a lot, so. And she's like, I get lost a lot. <laughs> the thing about, so, oh wait, the Jody voice. So the thing about me. <laughs> I'm hot and I get lost a lot. I get lost She also says she sleeps a lot. Like, she's, like, not above sleeping in her car. She's like, look, I don't... Because they're like, girl, where were you? Uh And also, she's in areas that get super cold at night. That's the thing about Utah and, like, the desert. It gets really cold at night. And even in June or whatever. So she's like, look, I'm not above sleeping in my car or anywhere else. (laughs) And she goes, I'm a heavy sleeper and I sleep a lot. And I'm like, wait, wait a second. (laughs) 
But you know what she's not saying? Wait, why did you guys just drive 2,000 miles to interview me about my dead ex-boyfriend? <laughs> That's right. That's weird. Why are you here? Also, she- I'm so sad about my dead ex-boyfriend. Right. That's the dead giveaway. You have to pretend to be like, what's happening? And so the detectives are saying, like, she seems to really be wanting to talk to us and give us a lot of information. Uh-huh. But she's also not asking, why am I here? She never asked for a lawyer no. in, in this entire time. That's the whole thing that also makes me crazy. Right. And so they're like, I have a problem with this trip. Detective Flores very calmly explains to her, you had the opportunity to go to Mesa, Arizona and kill Travis and still make it to Salt Lake City by 11 a.m. on June 5th. I don't care how many hours you slept very heavily in your car (laughs) in the middle of nowhere. And she's like, I totally didn't see him. I didn't see Travis. I didn't see Travis. And they're like, okay, well, that's fine. We have your hair all over the scene. Uh Uh-huh. Plus your blood. Also a bloody palm print on the wall. And she's like, oh, I can totally explain the blood and the hair. Palm print I can't explain, but the blood and the hair I can totally explain. And I'm like, okay, girl, explain it. How can you explain the blood and that? Well, the hair, there's hair everywhere and probably every square inch of that house. My hair, you sweep it, you'll get hair everywhere. No matter what is thrown at her, she has an answer. She just maintains that she was nowhere near Travis's house on the night he was murdered. Also, explain the bloody palm print. We don't need your explanation about the hair. And we don't get the explanation no. of the blood. They, they were just like, fuck that. We got bigger fish to fry. Remember the camera? Here we go. <laughs> Detective Flores is like, let's just pretend you did go to Mesa. Did maybe something happen where you had a sexual encounter and it got a little too rough? And she's like, no, that doesn't ring a bell. And then he says, you were at Travis's house. You guys had a sexual encounter, which there's pictures. I know you know there's pictures because I have them. I know there were pictures because I have them. So they got the pictures back from that memory card. And it is just super sexy, slutty pictures of him mm-hmm. and her. So there are these photos of Travis in the shower giving like like model face. And we see these pictures. And what's so terrible about it is that like, we know that this is the same shower where he gets murdered in five minutes. Yes. In one photo, Jody Arias is naked and in braids. In another, Travis Alexander is naked on the bed and there's some lubricant next to him. You can't argue with this kind of evidence. Yet she does. She's like, Travis would never go for that. Right. And I'm like, but he did because you're staring at a picture of him. Right. And then and then he he's like, oh, and also, girl, there are pictures of you from the same, like, the same memory card. And she tries to, like, seductively lean over the table. She does. Because he's like, here are the photos. That's you. I wanted to cover you up because oh. that's you. All of you. That looks like me. That is you. Also, P.S., all of these photos are timestamped. Exactly. We have the date and time. And then we realize that this camera, they don't explain how or why, but the camera was like, haunted and just taking (laughs) photos quote accidentally right so we see this picture of Travis's body it's horrible being dragged by Jody Arias we see like a pant leg and and a and a sneaker yeah remember I told you about the camera it was taking pictures by accident Mm -hmm. it's your foot Jody these are your pants and she's like, that's not my foot. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, it is, Jody. And it's your pants. And we know what's happening here. And then Flores is just out with it. He says to her, there's no doubt in my mind that you did this. None. So you can go until you're blue in the face and tell me you weren't there. You had nothing to do with it. 
I won't believe you. And she's like, can I seduce my way out of this? Right. And they're like, no. <laughs> so the evidence is so overwhelming that Jody's arrested for murder. Right, exactly. And then oh my God. things get insane. <laughs> Things get insane. First of all, she's arrested. Right. And they're like, bitch, you're going to be booked. Right. And she's like, um, this is a really trivial question and it's going to reveal how shallow I am. <laughs> but before they book me, can I clean myself up a little bit? Can I just like clean myself up a little bit first? <laughs> You're, she wants to look hot in the picture. Your Jodi Arias has really evolved and I'm really into it. Sounds nothing like her. <laughs> but please, it's, please don't it's ever It's just stop. the hot girl voice. Yes, That's all it is. <laughs> she, speaking of, she wants to look hot in the picture. Yeah. So they're like, uh, no. Also, right. you've been, you're arrested for murder. Has that sunk in yet? Right. Just right. a quick question. <laughs> they say no and she's crying. Right. Like she's like, oh, but I want to. <laughs> sob, sob, sob. And they leave her. Then it gets even weirder. You guys- she it takes her no time to get on her head she's doing a handstand against the wall she's not wearing shoes she's not wearing she starts singing a christmas carol oh holy night yeah (laughs) as she's like swaying back and forth in the chair (laughs) does she officially live under your bed uh no fuck her I could take her, I think. Uh, yeah, you definitely could. So then she's laughing and talking to herself. <laughs> still be. <me>. She's like, <laughs> still hate me, brat. And I'm like, what? I know. Her behavior in the interrogation room after she's arrested will go down as some of the most bizarre behavior by a defendant in history. And so then she finally takes the mugshot and she gives this like seductive half smile. Even the producers of the documentary can't believe the mugshot because we see the mugshot 800 times and it really is unreal to see it. Like she is truly smiling. She's treating it like a glamour shot. It's a glamour shot. Yeah. And all the detectives are like, never in my life have I seen anyone literally ask like, does my hair look okay? (laughs) Is this lighting all right? Again, booked for murder of your ex-boyfriend. Oh, my God. So it's day two of the interrogation. And remember, they they have enough evidence, but they really want a confession. So they send in a woman detective. Look, that was a man's idea, obviously. (laughs) The one thing I want to say, this woman looks just like a very young Emily Salliers from the Indigo Girls. Great. That's all. Yeah. How long till my soul gets it right? The female officer is now trying to play to Jody's sort of humanity. Woman to woman, you can tell me, it's just the two of us here, sort of really being that almost motherly figure trying to get Jody to open up. And she sits down and like the, Jody just literally shuts down. She like puts her head down, she won't even look at her. And then like our friend Jane is just like Turns out Jody Aries communicates a whole lot better with men than she does with women. And so the Emily Salyers detective is like, I can send the dude back in here if you want. And yeah. she's like, actually, yeah, could you? Even though the men don't <laughs> respond to her, like right. they don't deal with the flirting, they don't flirt back or give or give her like any reason to believe that there's a shot here. Uh-huh. She just knows that there's definitely not a shot with the woman. <laughs> Right. Although she's probably not above trying. No, but she's like, she just is one of those women uh-huh. who just like wants to be around men yeah. for better or worse. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying when you're a murderer, like I see right through you. So Flores comes back in and she starts to say, like, I do want to tell you what happened that day. Like, I'm just not ready yet. And then they're like, but you have to be. And she's like, OK, fine. <laughs> So she's finally like, okay, yes, I was there. And they're like, obviously, we know. Right. So she says that she got there at like three in the morning. They went right to sleep and then woke up in the afternoon to have sex. 
Yeah, like they were just having sex like all afternoon. What happened after that? What what went wrong? I know that the last photos of him were taken about 5.20, 5.30. Were you guys alone? Can you answer that for me? And she's like, it's just better if everyone thinks it was me there. And they're like, wait, what? Uh-huh. It's better if, if everyone thinks that. If everyone thinks that it was just you. No, it's not. It is really no idea. Why not? Are you protecting somebody else? Why would somebody else do this? And she's like, just to buy herself time, she's like, I'll tell you everything I know or like that I can remember. <laughs> I'm really traumatized. <laughs> Then we start to get this story out of her that there were like these home invaders. So all we know at the end of part one yeah. is that she tells, she's about to tell some story that a man and a woman broke into the house and killed Travis and let her go. Like, okay. Right. <laughs> Honestly, there was a part of me that was like, are they falling for this? No. No. <laughs> All right, we're starting off part two with some information about Jody and her family. This one's called A Lover Scorned. Oh, God. <laughs> it's also Shakespearean, isn't it, Jillian? It is. <laughs> it most certainly is. So her family's being questioned, and we learn Jody had a great upbringing. She had some siblings. She's the oldest. And we meet Sandy Arias, Jody's mother. And she is hysterical. How are you doing? You okay? Not good. No. As good as can be expected, I guess. Huh? <laughs> I'm like, She's the mom I would be. <laughs> yeah, but she says all this weird stuff yeah. where I'm like, girl, like, it's, she's like super down on herself. Like, Sandy, girl. I do, I gotta say though, like, if I ever get hauled into a police station to talk about the murder that Daisy committed, I'm gonna feel slightly responsible. I mean, yeah. You know? Yes. And I'll be there being like, sorry, girl, but <laughs> what have we said? <laughs> In all of our episodes. As you walk out of the police station, I'm just going to hear a faint. And according to her parents, Jody was a pretty rebellious teen. And I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Uh-huh. Her father, Bill Arias, recalls an incident that put them at odds with their daughter. When she was in eighth grade, she got busted for growing marijuana. We found it. We called the sheriff department. And then we searched her room. That was the first time we ever searched her room. Something turned in her head that we were nosy parents and we were gonna we were gonna search everything she had. So she hid everything from us and always has since then. In eighth grade, not a teenager yet. Right. In eighth grade, her Jody's own parents This is so crazy called the cops on her because she was growing weed. Yeah. She's grow first of all, how do you grow weed? I all I know, because I watched a little bit of weeds uh -huh. show. Uh-huh, me too. It's a process that right. no eighth grader could do. No, you need like those purple lamps. Yeah, and the, I'm sure it was super shitty weed. Right. <laughs> if she was even actually growing it. She probably had some weed in her bedroom or whatever. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then her dad, her dad says this thing where it was like, it all went downhill from there because Jody got it in her head that we uh, gave a shit about what she did. So she started hiding everything. I'm like, Jody got this in her head because he called the cops on her instead of sitting her down and playing her that Rachel Lee Cook commercial about your brain on drugs or whatever. <laughs> Which also, like, weed is not heroin, so everyone get a grip. No, it's true, but it is like, you know, there was definitely a time when, like, weed was the gateway drug. You remember that whole, like, know, that whole ridiculous. way of thinking? But don't but, call the cops on your kids, sit them down and have a conversation. I agree, but I also think, like, if my kid was growing pot in her room. She wasn't growing pot the way you're picturing it. You know what I'm saying? She was in eighth grade. Like, she's got a greenhouse on the roof. Like, that's not what it was. Right. There's no way that's what it was. There's, I don't care how many goddamn books she read. Right. There's 
no way she was actually growing weed the way you're picturing it in your head. Like, it's impossible. <laughs> what do you think I'm seeing in my mind? Like an like a legit grow house, like an actual like a full garage yeah. with the right lights and the insulation and the temperature and just like all different strains of weed. Like right. she wasn't running a whatever <laughs> a weedery a weedery. <laughs> But so, like, you know, her parents have, like, a strained relationship or whatever, but she's super tight with her sister. Right. And then after junior year of high school, Jody moves out. She moved out after her junior year of high school because her parents had put a curfew on her and she felt that they were just too strict with her and she just wanted her freedom. And she was gone, living with her boyfriend. Because she just couldn't deal with that curfew. This is my other thing! I, I was on the ceiling watching this part. Like, the parents just let her move out as a junior in high school because she doesn't want to have a curfew. To move in with her boyfriend? To move in with her boyfriend. You're 16 when you're a junior, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like You have no rights as a 16-year-old. <laughs> Absolutely not. I just, like, this was where I was like, that that is some very shitty parenting as far as I'm concerned. You don't just let your kid move out because now it's less of a headache for you. It's one less mouth to feed or whatever. Right. Well, and it's, I think she just, like, ran away. Like, I don't think she was, like... Is it okay if I run away and move with my boyfriend? I think she just did it. Do you want to know what I would, what I would sound like if that happened to me? Is it going to be high-pitched screeching? Yeah. <laughs> and I'd say, look at yourself in the mirror. Uh-huh. You're right. What'd you, you would, do? What'd you do you to make this happen? You would come over to my house. You would say, look at yourself in the mirror. And then as you were walking out the door to my house, I would hear... Um, <laughs> or I'd be pretty chipper about it. I think you'd it could o- go either way. <laughs> you'd come over with some Pinot Gris and you'd be like, bitch, you're free. <laughs> uh, girl, that's where we're ending episode one. You guys, episode two is available right now for patrons at the $5 level, ad-free. And yeah. we do this from time to time. Uh, it, it's going to be our regular episode next week, but it's also available right now at the $5 level, ad-free. Yeah, and it's like the trial and all the craziness. I and, mean, it was crazy already, but yeah, I'm just saying. All of like, her varying stories of what happened, her shifting narrative... Who is she, Jay from Serial? Right. <laughs> Changing her story every day of the week? Oh, you guys, don't forget, at the $5 level on our Patreon feed, you get over 90 full bonus episodes to download right this second. Mm-hmm. You also get episode two of this right this very second. Yep. But it's our episode by episode, The Serial. The Serial. The Staircase. The Staircase. The Making a Murderer. The Jinxes. The Jinxes. I'm going to stop because I hate when people unnecessarily <laughs> pluralize things and you know that. So, But it's like Lorena, Casey Anthony, yeah. OJ. I think that's where we get the maddest, if I'm being honest. On the pates? On the pates. You know why? Because we have to stick with the stories for, for so, so long. long. <laughs> so I'm like extra invested. Uh-huh, you know, it's not just uh-huh. an hour and a half like with Madeline. McCann eight hours. Ugh. It's true. You guys, we do it for you. Don't worry. You don't have to sit through Madeline McCann. <laughs> nothing happens. Spoiler, nothing it's true. happens. You also get like ad-free episodes at the $10 level. At the $20 level, we send you like a cool thing every month or, yeah. we, or we make something digitally. Ringtones, yeah. whatever. It's the best on the pates. We yeah. love it. We it's love party. you. It's party. Um, And I don't even have to ask you what we're doing next week because we're doing part two of this. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know you know. Mm-hmm. Girl, where can they find us? At True Crime Obsessed on the Twitter. Uh-huh. True Crime Obsessed Podcast on Instagram. True Obsessed.com, you guys, one-stop shop. For everything else. Yeah, episodes, merch, you get RCS Live, even though we don't have anything to announce yet at the moment. The promo codes. Promo codes is a big one. Mm-hmm. Big one. Big, big one. Where can they find you, girl? At Jillian with a G on all the things. Where can they find me? At Patrick Hines on Twitter, at Patrick Hines underscore on Insta. Right? <laughs> You're the best. Yeah. All right, stay tuned for our outtakes from this episode. Yep. Uh, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, okay. I mean, same time, same place, right? Same, same, same. Same bad time, same bad place. <laughs> we love you. Bye. Bye. Who's in a position to turn down a free trip to Cancun? Not me. I mean, I guess not Mimi. No. <laughs> I mean. I think that was especially funny because I said me and then you said Mimi. Are we just going to quote Rent now? Because... I, Mimi. 
I was thinking Let's about. Let's not then, if that's how it's going to sound. <laughs> Sorry, Jonathan. How very dare you. Busters. The cereals. <laughs> hey, Dad, do we have to go on the online to get it? <laughs> Someone's on the phone. Get off the phone so I can use the internet. We're seeing these actors recreating this I and they're know. walking down the hall and we're hearing like the voiceover narration. All of these actors are doing like the two, four, six, eight, indicate, indicate. Uh -huh. Where it's like they basically have their hands over their eyes right. looking down the hall. Right. Like gesticulating wildly about like having conversations. Yeah. The director's like, make it bigger. Bigger guys, bigger. <laughs> also, according to my notes, I've been wrong this entire time. Why? Because he was supposed to leave tomorrow for Cancun. Oh, I, I did know that, but I was just letting it go. Because in the documentary, they have her packing. I know. Who packs five days in advance? <laughs> it's true. Mimi's clearly very organized. I mean, 